All right, brethren, at this time, we're going to be blessed with our sermon for today by Pastor Steve Andrews, entitled, As One Thinks in Their Heart. I'm glad they didn't show the old guy in the video, or the whole thing. Um, Several years ago when I did this camping thing, I was uh, a lot younger, and I realized that uh, it's not as easy as it used to be. I can't understand that. I just can't understand that. It was... uh, it, it was quite enjoyable, though, to see the young people get together. And I had uh, I had some fishermen. I was really surprised. I didn't I didn't realize that uh, that I would. I thought they would just always be together and they would ignore the old guy. But I brought my fishing rods and I thought, well, I'll just uh, see if see what they think and see how well they do. And sure enough, I had some some fishermen down there. And I got down there late Sabbath, just before sundown, and we were fishing, and there was a couple of them there. I said, hey, if you're up around 6 o'clock, you can come down. I'll, I'll have everything. We'll go fishing. I thought, you know, 6 o'clock, they're going to stay up till midnight. 6 o'clock? Do you know what? They were waiting for me at the table. <laughs> they were waiting. I was so surprised. They were very eager to do something. The fish. Well, <laughs> was we didn't do very good. Yeah, didn't have a lot of fishing uh, success, but the success was that they were interested. I thought that was good. Oh boy, a little rumble and roll up there. I hope I'm okay. <laughs> um, I brought my fly rod too. I was, uh, I was trying. I was very curious. We had three boys and two girls, and I, I, I was showing them how to do it. You know, I, I, I'm not all that great, but I, I, I do have a little bit of a technique, and, and so all of them tried it. I was really surprised. They all gave it a, gave it a try, and I had two of them that, that beat the flies right off of the end of the tippet. <laughs> I mean, rah, rah. But you, it just. It's training. It's a part of it. I really enjoyed the camp, and Ian was there to give some Bible studies to the to the young people, to our to our youth that were there. And I really appreciated some of the things that he brought out. But he made one statement that that I thought was quite profound, and and I'm hoping today that you all will think about it also. As I go through some of the things that I've prepared today, and, and I hope it will be helpful. Um, he said he was felt uh, apprehensive about the young people having to live in this society. Well, you know, all of us have had to live in, sometime in the society that we, we live in, and, and we grow up in that particular society. And I, I got to thinking, what's different about today versus what was when I was growing up or when Lawrence was growing up or, or Art or, or, or Larry? 
what's, what's kind of different about what's going on in the world today that's different than what we experienced? Well, the things that used to be hidden and talked about in the shadows and the evil that was kind of behind the scenes that we probably didn't see a lot of is now out in the open. And it's turned into a situation in which now Hollywood feels like they just got to put an LGBTQ something in their movies or the television. I don't know. Uh, I'm a, I grew up on DC Comics. I'm beginning to like the Marvel stuff. I didn't like it back then when I was a little kid. And I grew up on the DC Comics, and I always liked Superman and Supergirl and all of those, and I had stacks. My son says, why didn't you keep those comic books? They've been worth a bunch today. And I said, well, you know, God was calling me, and I just felt like that was something I didn't want to keep, and so I got rid of them. Anyway, the, every seem, it seems like every show now, they have got to have either a transgender, as I said, I hope I'm all right, or <laughs> I may have to take this off, I don't know. We're going to be all right? We're back. We're back. Whoo, that was an interesting lightning. Anyway, we may have to end this early if we lose our lights. And that's okay. But three things that I was thinking that we should, should help our children. And even us, if we haven't done it. We should help them to, to prove that God exists, one. To prove that the Bible is accurate and for our time. <laughs> this book is far more accurate in showing the problems and the sins of the world today, probably than it even was uh, when it was written. It's almost like God says, I'm going to write this book for that generation and that generation and that generation and that generation. So that when they come up and they start reading, they're going to say, wow, this is, it's like he wrote it for our time. And three, and we must teach our children that God is a rewarder, that, that believe in him. And four, to believe that his kingdom will come, that he will set it up on this earth. So, let's look at, let's, <laughs> I brought it out before, and I, I know that you're very familiar with the intelligent design. But I want, and I think our, our, our young people and our teenagers now are back there going through a series on intelligent design. And I think that's one of the, the, the important things, to be able to give them some ammunition ammunition in this day and age because we live in a situation in which there is so much animosity towards God towards Christ towards Christians towards creation God creating 
things. There's so much of that out there. David, David looked, he has a, the Psalms are filled with some beautiful things. In Psalm 134, or 139, and I don't know what order I put these in, and I don't know, he probably doesn't even have anything up there um, because he probably lost it, but in Psalm 139, in just one verse here, Psalm 139 and verse 14. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works that my soul knows right well. Scientists still are amazed at how complex and yet they still want to believe in evolution. They still want to find that magic thing that says we evolved. We came out of that puddle. We are, you know, crawled out and changed and changed and changed. And yet they cannot explain the complexity. And when David said that, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. The hand, the eyes, the skin. What if God had, and there's a few people in the world that have had this problem. What if we didn't have that touch in our, just one simple thing, the touch. That if you, if a kid touches something hot, instantly he gets off of it because he knows, because it burns. What if God didn't put that in there? People would just be sticking their hands in, they'd have all of these terrible burns and things. So God has given us so many wonderful things. And Psalm 1 Psalm 19, Psalm 19, verse 1. David has some beautiful psalms. I can find Psalm 19. It says, and this is a, a, a theme of, of uh, someone that's teaching uh, about God's creation. The heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament shows his handiwork. Whenever you look out, what, the order, the balance, and especially on the earth. I mean, this is a privileged planet. And I hope for the, some of you that haven't read that book, that you get it. Maybe one of these days I'll play that uh, DVD again. Because it's so wonderful to understand that God has given us a beautiful home to live in. A marvelously beautiful, wonderful home to live in. And I think we just take it for granted. We literally take this home for granted. <laughs> we don't have to worry, unless we have asthma, or something like I do, about breathing. The air is made for us to be able to breathe. Our heart pumps. Unless we have heart problems, the heart pumps, and we don't even think anything about it. Bump, 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 yeah. Constantly going. Sometimes it's going faster. It depends on what, whether you're fear or flight. You have to get, get away from it. But it's so balanced. God has given us all of these things. It's a beautiful creation. And yet there are those out there that would want to destroy and make people very uncomfortable about believing in the creation and about believing in God. And that's where we as adults come in. We've got to help our children to understand 
that God is a creator and he has created this beautiful world that we live in. In the Psalm 24, verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof in the world and they that dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in the holy place? He that has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. One of these days, and I hope that we are able to, to also give that to our, to our young ones, to help them to understand that one of these days God is going to, to have us in his kingdom, and we're going to be there in part of that kingdom. He that has clean hands and a pure heart, and that only can come from God giving us that. Christ in us. Who has not lifted up his soul to vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. Someday we will be in that kingdom. So, proving God exists is the first thing. And helping, helping the young people. If they're, if they're a little confused, if they're going to, to school and they're in biology or something, and, and they're teaching them evolutionary principles, that's where we have to come in. We have to help them. To, to understand that and, and there's a lot of material out there and the intelligent design guys are very very good at arguing all the time with the evolutionary people and no matter how um, profane the evolutionary people get the intelligent design people are very intelligent and very able to to, uh, to counter that prove the Bible is accurate and is an accurate revelation of, of Jesus Christ and God the Father and also of human nature, <laughs> of, of how we act. The Bible is filled with examples of human nature. And a lot of it is like what we see today. Although there's a perversion that's beginning to happen in, in, in our society, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, because there's, there's certain things very small minorities now beginning to make very loud and boisterous uh, outreaches through uh, the judicial system. And so consequently certain things become law and you, you can't go against the law. And I think Canada is experiencing a lot of that. Hebrews 1 even though maybe a couple of these don't exactly fit this, I think they're. I am. Um, I was thinking about them this morning and and put these two down. If I can find it. There we go. Hebrews one, God who in sundry times and in different manners spoke in the times past to the fathers by the prophets. So we have. A witness, prophetic witness, profound prophetic witness in the Bible. As in these last days spoken of us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world. So now we have a witness of Jesus Christ who walked this earth, who taught individuals. And I appreciate the music today. It was so beautiful. All of these things that were talked about who being the brightness of his glory and the expressed image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. 
being made so much better than the angels, he has an inheritance obtained, a more excellent name than they. And there's so much about Jesus Christ in there and about the word that we have, the Bible. In First Thessalonians, <laughs> I remember when I was first in the church, it seemed like this got quoted an awful lot, and I don't know whether it, it just stuck in my brain or what. Prove all things. Prove all things and hold fast that which is good. And that's, that's, that's what we should do. Get the Bible out. Prove that there is a Sabbath. Prove the holy days. Prove that God exists. Prove that the Bible is the Word of God. And when we proved it, hold it fast. Don't let anybody take it away from you. Because there are those out there that would just love to take this truth away from us. And cause us to falter and to go into uh, you know, this world and just become worldly. David's psalm in Psalm 14 and Psalm 53, they're almost identical. Except for one verse in each one of them. But in Psalm 53, we, we, we see some things, um, especially a prophetic look down into this day and age and into the character of, of foolish men who have decided that they do not want to have anything with, to do with God, do not want to have anything to do with uh, the Bible, and want to be atheists want to hate anything that has to do with religion. Let's turn to Psalms 53, Psalm 53, not Psalms 53. Let's turn to Psalm 53. This is the one, when I was sitting in the, listening to Ian, this particular psalm had, I had turned to it and was starting to read it, and I got to thinking, this thing is talking about today, it's talking about Fools and their heart and the and the way they they say there's no God. The fool has said in his heart. Well, the heart is the very depth of being. Your your consciousness, your your very uh, character, your very you, if you want to put it that way. And so, the fool has said in his heart there is no God. So all of those that claim to be atheists who have rejected this Bible and have rejected God, now have a corrupted heart. That's what it amounts to. They've got a, a corrupted heart. And only, and I say this because sometimes it's very, these intelligent design guys have, have gone head to head. I mean, locked essentially locked horns with them on the very principles of creation and the intelligent design guys come away with their understanding and knowledge and truth, and the atheists and the, the um, evolutionists go away with feeling exactly the same, and and feel and and preaching and teaching exactly the same things. I, as I was saying, when I was sitting there, listening to Ian as he was going through and reading all the questions, uh, that was interesting. The kids were writing out questions furiously for Ian to, to, uh, to answer. 
And I was looking at, at this particular ver, uh, chapter and listening at the same time. I was, doing, I was multitasking that day. And one of the things he said also, inspire and encourage our young people. Inspire and encourage. I think that's, uh, that, that should be something that we do as much as we can. So let's go to this and let's look at these words. The fool, as I said before, that can be translated the senseless, the foolish, or the fool. As said in his heart. I mean, the heart is so important to understand. The inner part, uh, the midst of things, the heart of man, the soul, the heart, the mind, the knowledge, the thinking, the reflection, the memory. If, if someone else, if, if this world gets a hold of a child and perverts the heart, it's sometimes hard to get it back. To get that heart back to understanding the truth, the mind, the knowledge, the thinking, the reflection, the memory, the conscience. And one of their arguments is that uh, they, uh, about... hatred and different things, uh, the, the atheist, and the, 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 there was a point made that even those that, aren't, that don't have the spirit, God has given them a conscience from a little child. And they can be trained and, and, and guided and led, even if, even if it isn't spiritually led, they can be trained and led that way, to have a conscience. He says, then there is, in this heart, there is no God. So deep in their heart, they say, there is no God. They are corrupt. Boy, this is a powerful word. This, this is a very deep word. To destroy, to corrupt, to ruin, to decay. To decay. Can you imagine decaying a person to the point where they hate Christians, they hate the Bible, they hate anything that we stand for. Well, that's what's going on with those that deny that there is a God. Who have accepted the um, evolutionary thought. They have done abominable. Every time you see the word abominable, that's very serious. When God inspires someone to use abomination or abominable. To abhor, to be abominable, to do abominably. To be abhorred or be detested. It can be in ritual sense or ethical sense to loathe, abhor, regard as an abomination. So, the Lord, <clears throat> so they are corrupt and they have done abominable works. There's none that does good. I hope this is not looking down into the future to the point where there is no one on the earth that's doing anything and it's back to where there was only... Uh, Noah, and, a, and, um, and he was the only righteous man on the earth because that would be a very serious situation on this earth. He said, The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand, that, did, that seeked God. And they all had gone aside. They are all together become Filthy. And that's, that's an interesting word also. It means to be corrupt, morally tainted. 
So what's going on in our world today? What's happening? As I mentioned earlier, the LGBT thing, it seems that <laughs> we, we like to joke, uh, Miriam and I, uh, we like to joke about uh, Eli and, and Annabelle. And, um, Eli has no problem whatsoever knowing he's a boy. And Annabelle has no problem understanding that she's a girl. And yet, in the society that we live in, there seems to be a problem. And I can't quite understand it. And it happens to be this particular thing. To be corrupted morally. To be tainted. If you start a kid out young and begin to taint him with this corruptible ideas that there is no gender and there's no gender identity of, of male and female, which God created in the beginning, male and female, created he him, in his own image created he them. If you, if you taint them, if you pervert them in this idea, you have truly corrupted your, your child. There is none that does good. No, not one. Have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge? No knowledge who eat up my people. That's an interesting also another way. To eat, to devour, to, to burn up. So how do we get burnt up? How do we get devoured? By being pummeled with this stuff all the time. Us older people can remember when some of the words that are used like every other word and I won't repeat them because I don't like the way they use these things. But it's, it's like, it's, we never heard it. And today it's so common. They write it in books. They write it in, in magazines. They write it in, in, uh, on TV. They say it here. They say it there. It's, it's like, let's just keep perverting people and keep perverting people and keep perverting people. Pretty soon they'll just get used to it. It's just common and it's almost to that now, isn't it? You go to a movie, and it's hard to find a movie that doesn't have a lot of those words. <laughs> you have to be very careful. You might want to review if you take your kids to some of these movies because they're just putting a lot of it in there. You've got to be very careful. So you burn them up. You, you, you devour them. You eat them up with all the corruption. And that's how you do it. To consume. It says to devour, to consume a fire. To devour and to slay of the sword. To devour, to consume, to destroy. And so that word, even though it means to, it is translated to eat up, it actually has a lot deeper meaning. A lot more meaning. As they eat bread and call not upon the Lord. There were they in great fear, for God is in, um, is in the generation of, <coughs> of the righteous. You have shamed the counsel of the poor, because the Lord is his refuge. Now, <coughs> I'm going to get a little uh, something to drink here before I go in. This last 
see if you don't think this isn't a prophetic from David. <laughs> Sat down. God inspired this. At the time that he wrote this, Judah and Israel were together. They were one nation. So why would he write this one verse? Oh, that the salvation of Israel will come out of Zion when the Lord brings back the captivity of his people, Jacob shall rejoice and Israel shall be glad. He talks about the two separate entities, Jacob and Israel. I mean, it's like they were separated and they're going to bring them back and they're going to put them together. And David saw this from his own um, inspiration from God. And of course, the, the word salvation um, is Yeshua. Deliverance, welfare, uh, prosperity, deliverance. And that's part of, of Jesus' name. He's going to bring salvation to Israel, salvation to the world. And it's going to be beautiful and wonderful on this earth. So let's turn now to, to, um, let's turn now to the, the proverb, which is my, my theme. Um, as one thinks in their heart. As one thinks in their heart. Now, I, I used this particular thing because I wanted to make sure that it covered everybody. Not just as a man thinketh. Uh, so as, as anyone, anyone thinks in their heart. So let's go to Proverbs. And let's look at this in Proverbs, the uh, 23rd chapter. I think everybody's pretty familiar with this. But it's, it's, and it's very interesting how this particular proverb uh, plays out. It is not really a positive, it's not really positive, it's, it's really negative. And it's really looking at a, an evil man. And you going in and being a part of, an, of something evil. Being part of something evil. So let's, let's look at this and let's think about our children and how they can be easily swayed, easily swayed by those who are wanting to grab them away from this truth and put them into the world's truth. He says in verse 6, Eat you not the bread of him that is, has an evil eye, neither desire you his dainty meats. How many um, have, uh, remember... Uh, uh, Charles Manson looking at his, uh, seeing his eyes. There's an evil man right there. He had, I saw uh, some, before he died, they, they showed some pictures of him. Boy, was he, he looked very evil. Um, there's, there's been many that you look in their eyes and they're evil, they have evil eyes. And it's, it's the character has, has begun to become very evil. So don't eat with that person. Neither desire you his dainty meats. For as he thinks in his heart, which is evil, so, he, so is he. Eat and drink, says he to you, but his heart is not with you. The morsel which you have eaten shall you vomit up and lose your sweet words. So we find that this, this scenario has also been used as a positive thing. The, the words, for as he thinks, thinketh in his heart. 
If your heart is good, and you're thinking good thoughts, which the Bible says, think on those things which are good, your heart will be, will be good, and you will be thinking good things. And so that part of it, that part of thinking and having the right kind of heart is good. But in the context that the proverb is, is talking about, it's talking about an evil person and sitting down with that evil person and being um, perverted just because he's invited you to a meal. What do these guys that want to want to take children, what do they do? Candy. Candy. Yeah, they, come, come with me, come with me. Here, come on with me. They want to pervert that child. And they, and they get them into their car, and much evil happens. And so children are taught, do not do that. You stay away. Run, yell, scream, whatever you have to do to get away from that person because he is going to do some bad things to you. And I hope you all chain, you know, have, have taught your children that. So in Jeremiah, we find also in Jeremiah, uh, this, if I can find Jeremiah again, uh, and this one is very familiar. Everybody knows Jeremiah 17 about the heart, about it being deceitfully wicked. But let's go back and let's read it again. Because the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? We, we can get some, we can have some sinful thoughts, can't we? Our conscience, our attitudes, our things inside, and we're holding it in. We don't want anybody else to know. But we can have those kind of feelings, those kind of thoughts, and those kind of things. But with our children, we want to raise them to have as pure a thoughts as we can, we can bring to them. Or have, and, and make them look at, at the world um, as God's world, but needing Jesus Christ in their life. I wanted to read one little thing out of it. Uh, I brought this out once, once before, uh, and I do like David Kuplin. I think that's how you, Kuplin, or how you pronounce it. He's Jewish Christian or something to that effect, I think. <laughs> but he, he has written this, um, this one is called Rejecting God. And um, I don't want to take a, a lot of time with it, but I had one one point here. He said, today's atheist activists liken their strategy to that of the gay rights movement. Remember, we, they're, they're all coming out. We find out all these actors and actresses are, you know, what. And, and we've got to make sure that we have, have a, a, a smattering of, of them on TV and, and everywhere. So they've all come out. Now the atheists have decided they've got to come out. So, he says, it's not carrying a, a, a banners, uh, said Herb Silverman, a math professor at the College of Charleston who founded the Secular Humanist of the, um, of the Low Country, which has about 150 members on the coast of Car the Carolinas. The most important thing is coming out of the closet. So, here we got the atheists coming out of the closet. 
In fact, just as homosexuals co-opted the word gay to facilitate their cultural and political mainstreaming, atheists have been up, uh, um, had adopted their own euphemistic label, many now calling themselves brights. I really think that's the wrong label, but then how exactly do atheists want to change American society and the government? Oh, the end result, atheists claim, would be a more peaceful and modern society, reports the National Journal, since presumably our nation would be less willing to embark on violent conflicts of religious character as such as those in Iraq and Afghanistan. Euthanasia would be widely permitted, no ethical problem there. Pharmacies could legally define a full, uh, fulfill birth control prescriptions or presumably chemical abortion prescriptions either. As a matter of conscience or religious faith, schools, science classes would be uh, prohibited from teaching anything about the origins of life except evolution and no mention of intelligent design allowed. And the Boy Scouts, and boy, the Boy Scouts, if anybody has been listening to what they've been doing, they've really gone downhill. Um, they've even, now they're not even the Boy Scouts anymore. They're just plain scouts. they got girls in there. <laughs> I, I feel sorry for the boys, that, especially those that have gone through scouting, and then all of a sudden now their very ex existence of scouts, is, of Boy Scouts, is, doesn't, really doesn't exist would lose all form of federal support for teaching that good scout has a duty to God. It gets even more controversial. At least some influential atheists reportedly want to clone humans in a sign of the cultural warfare to, be, to come, reports um, Starwin. Atheists are emerging as, the, as an enthusiastic voice on behalf of scientific efforts to clone human beings, a technological, a technological, technology with the potential to conquer morality. Seeing themselves as the very pro-science atheists tend to think that mindless religious scruples prevent the development of such techniques as cloning that could extend the boundaries of human life. And it goes on and on and on and gets even worse. But I think you, you get the point. That with them now as another voice to bring <clears throat> uh, an, another part of this uh, evil to the world. Let's go to Romans now. The uh, let's go to Romans, the first chapter, and, and we're very familiar with this. And I don't know if I want to read all of it. I might just read a few verses here. Romans one, beginning in verse sixteen. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. What we could say is, <clears throat> we should not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for our children's sake. For our children. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from the faith to faith. And as written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which, um, that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen 
being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. The whole world is without excuse if they are, are willing to really look at the creation, to look at even a leaf off of a tree. A couple of us, uh, in one part of this, he, he said he was standing in Oregon just looking out and trying to think about how to be an atheist. And he said it almost shocked him. The idea of giving up God and, and just being without God, without Christ, without anything, and just living a life without any hope or any purpose except just to live. He said it just kind of, all of a sudden it shocked him, and then he got away from it really quickly. He didn't want to have any part of it. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart. And there it is again. Foolish heart was darkened, professing themselves to be wise. They became fools, as we saw in, in David's psalm, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like the corruptible man and birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. So, Number three, um, Hebrews 11 and verse 6. I love this, I love this verse. I, I probably would read it every, every time, but you would get to know it so very well. But without faith, it's impossible um, to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. If we could even teach our children this one verse and help them to believe it, to understand it, without faith. I mean, this, that faith is belief. Faith is understanding and believing. By the time that we come to that faith, of, which is the believing in God, then we come to the point where we really believe that he's a rewarder and we begin to diligently seek him. All of that is a part of the Christian um, journey, isn't it? All of that is a part of the Christian journey. To, uh, to come to know God, to believe that he is, and to believe one day that we will be in his kingdom and we will be rewarded for that belief that we did. And the last thing I have is believe in his kingdom. And we all know John 14, 1 through 3, that he has, has, has gone to the right hand of the Father and is preparing a, a tremendous place for us to be together, a tremendous, beautiful place for us to be together in the kingdom. And my last verse here before I quit is Isaiah, the second chapter. Another one that... Every time I go there, I just marvel at this, <clears throat> how this, this particular verse is written. It shall come to pass in the last days. There's no doubt about what the time frame that this is. It shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house. The mountain is, we all know, is a kingdom, is the great kingdom, is it is the mountain. It is God's mountain. It is God's kingdom of the Lord's house. Shall be established in the top of the mountains. 
So even though we're going to go through great tribulation and great problems and great things are going to, to, to go on in the world, I want our young people to understand that nations will exist because God is going to preserve them. We may come to the point where we're going to about ready to destroy all of mankind. But God is going to intervene and he's going to preserve nations because he wants to set up his kingdom and shall be exalted above the hills. So we have, we have large nations and we have smaller nations and the, all the nations shall flow unto it. So all of them are going to go and be there in, uh, and come up to Jerusalem. And many people shall go and say, Come you, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. We're on the cutting edge, brethren. We are on the cutting edge of that verse. Because of what we are teaching. Because of how we are living. When we come into the kingdom of God and we walk in there, we will already know a lot of what God has been, has been has wanting us to do. We'll be out there teaching these things. And we'll be those that will be teaching. And he shall judge among the nations. The nations will need to be judged. And shall rebuke many. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares. And their spears into pruning hooks. You know, by the, <laughs> there's going to be such a tremendous war. There's going to be battle implements everywhere. And, and it's going to be a mess on this earth. And there's going to need to be an army of you and I out there to help. To bring about the, the order of this chaos that could be on this earth. And part of it is getting them to beat their swords into things, into implements that aren't out there killing one another. And I look forward to that day. Because we still have wars. And we still have the potential for great wars. And nuclear wars. And, and, and even though we get, there's negotiations going on, and I like that, and I think that's good, we still have the potentials for all of that to happen. And someday it probably will to, to some extent. But God will intervene. And, and this earth will not be destroyed. And not all mankind will, will die. Oh, <clears throat> and, let's see, at the end, So we're going, to, we're going to be into plowshares and spears, into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation. And the last thing that's so very important, neither shall they learn war anymore. It seems like that uh, this is such a big thing in our own society of, of, of learning war, learning how to kill, learning how to be uh, warriors. The day is going to come when God is going to take that away because there's going to be peace on the earth. Christ is going to bring peace on this earth. And if they don't want peace, then they're not going to get any rain. They're not going to get the things that they need. They, he is going to make sure that the kingdom will be a peaceful kingdom on this earth. So brethren, as you understand, and as you know the truth, you should pass it on to those who are younger and those who are coming along so that they understand the truth and they are excited about being in the kingdom of God.